Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm your host, Ross Chevalier. There are some words used in the guitar industry that set my BS detector off so hard it bends the needle. Whenever I hear the words iconic or authentic, I know that everything that follows will be on its best day, stinky fertilizer. However, one of the words that makes me most aggrieved is vintage. According to Webster's Dictionary, the Oxford English Language Dictionary, and the American Heritage Dictionary, the word vintage as a noun pertains to the year of yield of grapes from a vineyard. As an adjective, far down the list, one will find a meaning of a year or period of origin. That's a pretty loose definition, and may explain why makers of instruments use it so darn much. Or, and this is my conclusion, they use it as a baffle gab word to make something new appear as if it's actually old and important. Sellers of old instruments will often use the word vintage as an alternative to old, used, or in some state of disrepair. This shouldn't fool anyone, but it does with regularity. Anything apparently older than 10 years is now regularly referred to as vintage. I own and have owned instruments built in the 1970s, you know, 50 years old, from both Gibson and Fender. Today, those instruments are called vintage. For those of us who were playing those instruments at that time, uh, call them something very different. Usually crap or some derivant thereof. There is absolutely nothing vintage about a sandwich body Les Paul. It's just an old Les Paul, labeled guitar, made as cheaply and with as little care as possible. A Fender Stratocaster or Telecaster from the period was, and remains, a cheap imitation of the instruments that came out of Fender pre-CBS. Three bolt necks aren't vintage. They're a way to reduce manufacturing costs while providing the additional benefit of reduced stability and lost sustain. The same thing is true for vintage effect, perhaps even more so. Electronics are electronic. Handwired sounds wonderful, but back in the day, everything was handwired, and that engendered a lot of inconsistencies in build quality, very much like the old story about never buying a car built on a Monday or a Friday afternoon. Modern manufacturing ended those issues. Moreover, the components back then often had a tolerance of plus or minus 20%. So the probability of getting any two pedals to sound the same is pretty low. This is why I laugh out loud at anyone stupid enough to spend $500 or more on a pedal that duplicates the $3 worth of variable parts in an original tone bender. Tone benders had a sound. And in reality, every tone bender had its own sound because they were so inconsistent. Not due to poor build practices, but due to component variances. If you spend $500 on a tone bender or Rangemaster clone thinking you're getting something special, you've taken the bait and that hook is pretty well set. What you're getting, in reality, 
is an old design that may have better components, and you're paying through the nose for the privilege thereof. If you find this insulting, so it goes. Is a 1956 Stratocaster truly vintage? If you apply the definition of the adjective to it, yeah, in the context that it was built in 1956. Does that make it better than a current Stratocaster? In probability, not. Those cheap stamped steel saddles were what Fender could produce in the day. Today, any company can build a better quality saddle, and many do. Insisting on vintage saddles does not mean better. It simply means old design. Folks claim that vintage tremolos, which we all know are actually vibratos, sound better. Better is very subjective. It's not quantifiable. You can't measure better. You could certainly like one more, and if you beat on the vibrato of the guitar built in 2023 until 2093, it will likely sound smoother due to rounding off of all the edges, spring sag, saddle wear, and what I expect will be a very different way of making strings. Probably as different, if not more, than the way strings were built in 1956 compared to how they're made now. Fender now delivers staggered and more precise tuning machines in their higher-end models, but the vintage versions get reproductions of designs that are 70 years old. The older designs are not necessarily better, and certainly not from a usability perspective, and the newer designs should be evolutionary changes designed to improve, unless, of course, poor quality materials are used. But I can go buy a set of fender locking tuners by Schaller to blow the doors off any new fender vintage tuners. New does not mean better, whatever you think better means, but if we look to other areas of manufacturing where quality still counts, new tends to show an improvement over older designs. The much-despised Gibson robot tuners are a significant improvement over the original tuners for the general user. Whether that improvement brought value to the user is where they failed. Despite an ever-increasing level of McMarketing spin to convince players otherwise, buyers just didn't care. The robot tuners were not horrible, but they weren't consistent either. They had some serious quality control issues, but most importantly, they were a solution without a problem. Further evidence of a company that ignored their customers completely. So if the robots didn't succeed, does that make the vintage tuners better? Of course not. There are much more precise, finer control tuners on the market than the vintage stuff. Tuners are an easy upgrade, and only those more concerned about their egos and caring how much they can impress another fool worry about such nonsense. I love the look of old cars, but I wouldn't go buy an automobile requiring leaded gas that weighs two tons and gets nine miles per gallon over a modern gas-powered vehicle? I'm an owner of old cars. I freely acknowledge that most of them are much simpler to work on, and failed electrics will not necessarily make them completely dead in the water. 
However, there is a phrase, Lucas, Prince of Darkness, that describes most British cars, and I ought to know. However, if you own an old classic car, another way of saying vintage, classic, you know the reality that they can be temperamental beasts requiring a lot of attention to run consistently. They don't brake very well, suspensions tend to be spongy and they wallow in the turns, and both manual steering and manual brakes are tiring for the driver. We can apply this to guitars and amplifiers. I've been for decades of the opinion that I prefer the sound of tube amps over solid state. Tube amps do sound different from solid state, but what we hear is less the tubes and more the speakers and the output transformers. Tubes are less reliable than solid state. Ask the supporting team for any band on the road using amplification based on tubes. Still, manufacturers charge more for tube amps, not because they're an improvement, but because they are vintage style, meaning ostensibly built in the same way as 60 or 70 years ago. This isn't true, but truth and marketing nearly never go together. I used to believe that I could always tell a real tube amp from a fake tube amp. Then I did a series of experiments and found that while I might hear a minor difference, I couldn't identify which amp was tube and which amp was not in a blindfolded test. I did this for all kinds of different amps where I had the tube version and a digital version, either as an amp itself or as a modeled amp or plug-in using my DAW. I'd record each option, then put all the recordings on the same track in no particular order, then I'd have a friend change that order before mastering it out to a playable track. So I didn't know which amp was which. You know, I could have memorized that if I'd done it all myself. To date, no one has, for example, been able to tell which was which between a real Super Reverb recording, a Fender Tone Master Super Reverb recording, or a Super Reverb amp simulation coming out of my neural quad cortex. Like I said, they don't sound exactly alike, as speaker cone age or accuracy of the impulse response file do come into play. However, no one could say which one was which. Man, all agreed that each one sounded really good. When they were told which was which, only then would some of the listeners then say, oh, no, 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 it was obvious which was which. Their mental biases overwhelmed the facts. I then extended the experiment by lying, specifically switching the old Super Reverb with the Tone Master Super Reverb, saying one was the other one. And then those folks who said, well, the difference is completely obvious. All, universally, 100%, pick the Tone Master as being the tube-based Super Reverb. Draw your own conclusions. Vintage is, just for us, an adjective but an adjective used more for deception than truth. If your sound and your money matter to you, dump all recognition of these weasel words and depend instead on your own perception of objective reality. Because in the long term, no one else will know what you play, and only fools will care. 
I'm well aware that this episode has the characteristics of a rant. I'm okay with that, as, frankly, it is a rant. Now, it's fair if you don't like it, and that's your choice, but that has nothing to do with me. Always feel free to send an email or post a comment. I read and respond to all. Believe me, I get it. You don't have to agree with me on this subject. But I'm never going to lie to you and tell you that I think that the word vintage implies anything other than old. As always, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the articles and the podcast so you get notified when a new one is posted. Until next time, I'm Ross, and I bid you peace. Thank <laughs> you.